This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Caswell Massey, America's original purveyor of fragrance. And remember, for 20% off any purchase, just go to caswellmassey.com and use the coupon code OUTLANDERCAST at checkout. Uncle, you can this old coot. Lay eyes on you again. <laughs> How? What brought you here? We came in search of settlers. Of land. Three days north. This is Jerry's son, Ian. Ian. This is Murta. <laughs> My godfather. Fine lad. Rides a hard bargain. <laughs> Uncle Jamie told me all about your adventures together. There's so much to tell you. I want to hear every word. No. Are you calling an old coot, eh? All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Everybody and how's it going? Are you still smiling? Because I'm still smiling. And I think we all know why we're smiling. But in case you don't know me, hi, I'm your new friend. My name's Mary. We like the same things. <laughs> Smiling's my favorite. Including Outlander and Berta. <laughs> Hashtag spoiler alert. What else? My name's Blake, and I never would have paid 21 shillings for a stupid bit horse bit. Listen, otherwise you're going to have to sleep at that lady's house with a pie. Oh my God. <laughs> Who the heck Crazy is that town. Lady? Well, before we get into the rest of this show, we of course want to remind you that you could follow OutlanderCast and subscribe to the podcast. You could find us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, basically anywhere these days. Just search the title OutlanderCast. And of course, we would love for you to become an official member of the OutlanderCast clan. Just visit OutlanderCastClan.com. There you get great benefits. Benefits, extras, special after doc podcast That's episodes. My girl. I got you, Bew. Boy. Bew. Bew boy. Whatever. I don't even know. I don't Boo. even know. I you, was so you proud. Me- you missed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was you, so proud of you myself. Gave me a, bu- a boy and a boo in the same one. I'll give you it all. <laughs> Plus, you're gonna get tons of fun stuff. Are you gonna give me pie? That's the that's the real question. I've been baking cookies. You want me to? You don't even like pie. I like pie. No, you don't. What kind like, of pie? I like you pecan like chocolate. Pie. Do you really? I like pecan pie with all the brown sugar. Just press. I like apple pie. Let's get into this. No, you don't. I like apple pie. You haven't eaten a single apple pie that I've brought to this house or made. That is beside the point. (laughs) Let's just get into the show. (laughs) All right, so break it on down. Give me the episode details. Sans pie hussy. (laughs) Pie (laughs) hussy. (laughs) <laughs> well, this episode was entitled Savages. It's an obvious reference to uh, the Cherokee and the outlook of 
about Native Americans at this time, but I think it's also a clear reference to your boy Air Muller. Uh, and how that savages... You just said my boy? Yeah, he's your boy. No, he's not. He's Please your boy. Please don't. No. He, he was, he, you were smiling when he was on TV when he first showed up. No, I wasn't. He more a little bit. I was smiling because there was a baby. Well, either way, I think it's um, <laughs> I think it's a reference to him and the fact that it's savage is... That is all... I need you to do something on YouTube for me for a moment. What's that? I need you to go to YouTube. Okay. And I need you to pull up Savages Pocahontas. <laughs> because that is all I thought about when I found out the title of this movie, with this episode, and then when I saw it, when he, when the scalp was revealed, this was honestly all I was thinking. I was like, me and anyone else who like loved Pocahontas, this is the song that we the, now have in our on, heads. Here, here it is. Here it is. So these are the settlers. You must sound the drums of war. They're savages. So of course the settlers feel like the Native Americans are savages. But then we go into the Native American camp, and they too think the people are savages. They think the settlers are savages. Here we go. This is what we feared. The pale face is a demon. The only thing they feel at all is greed. It's my favorite line. Beneath that milky hide, there's emptiness inside. I wonder if they'd even bleed. They're savages. Savages. So, see, it's just like people don't understand each other, calling each other savages, and I would, that's all I was thinking when I saw that scalp. Savages. Yes! Savages. Dude. So I apologize Whoa. for any of you who aren't huge Disney fans, who haven't necessarily wow. watched Pocahontas. Maybe you didn't own the CD and play it on repeat many times while dancing around your kitchen as a child. Um, <laughs> but if you are my friend and you do understand these references, welcome to the club. I got, I got, I got like sweats from the amount of nerdness. That savages. savages. <laughs> That's a deep cut, deep cut nerd reference. Yes! You got two nerds for that. So I think that that's why actually they named this this episode "Savages" because it reminded them of that scene from Pocahontas. Hey, here's a, here is a. Funny, I'm joking. Hey, no, of course you are. Uh, here's a fun bit of trivia, uh, unrelated to Outlander, but mm-hmm. uh, Pocahontas. They uh, Disney was developing two animated features at the same time, one being Pocahontas and the other being The Lion King. And they thought that Pocahontas was yep. going to be actually best picture because the year prior, uh, Beauty and the Beast went up for best picture. Yes. And they were like, they put all their money and all of their best animators and everything into Pocahontas. And they, they were like, They Meh. even got Mel Gibson. And then they were like, yeah, we got Ferris Bueller for Lion King. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. So that will be for like, the boys will like the Lion King. The girls will like Pocahontas. Oh, actually, the boys will like Pocahontas too because there's fighting. Everybody's going to like Pocahontas. Nobody's going to really want to watch about a lion. And then what happened? Because you gotta stop making scary Disney movies. And I'm gonna give a shout out to Anne Gavin. Anne Gavin loves Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm telling you, they went through a dark phase. Pocahontas and Hunchback of Notre Dame. And then they were like, oh, never mind. People like furry little creatures. <laughs> they like the Lion King. Thus, the Lion King. There you go. And they're not making a live action Pocahontas like they are the Lion King, I'll tell you that. 
All right. All right. Continue. So anyway, the, 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 the writer was uh, Bronwyn Garrity. Now, you definitely do not know who Bronwyn Garrity is because unless you are a good friend of hers, because I didn't know who Bronwyn Garrity was. Uh, she's actually a relatively relatively new writer. And this is actually her first episode of Outlander. She's also written on the uh, miniseries Flesh and Bone that is also on Stars. as a matter of fact. She wrote a number of... She served as a story editor and she wrote one episode. And she's also written for that show Under the Dome. And she also has written for a show called The Returned on A&E and... And one episode of Grey's Anatomy back in 2013. She's a very interesting profile pic on Twitter. It, it's, it's like, it's, it's very, very like, emo. It's, it's very like, yeah, very emo. Very emo. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a sun flare. So the yeah, the director is, her name is Denise DeNovi. And for those of you who are serious movie nerds, you actually probably do know this name. She was actually mainly a producer who, oddly enough, oddly enough, has worked a ton with Dan Fogelman. Now, that is a name that is important because he's the creator of the show, This Is Us. She has worked with him on movies like Danny Collins and Crazy, Crazy Stupid Love, but she's also produced other movies like Focus, The Best of Me, uh, Nights in the Rodanth, The Sisterhood of Traveling Pants 1 and 2, Catwoman, but the really bad one with Halle Berry, and A Walk to Remember, which also happens to star... I almost remember Mandy Moore. <laughs> and she's also... It was late afternoon. Been the producer on The, the Nightmare Man. Before Christmas. Oh, I love that. And she's also a producer on Batman Returns. Uh, so uh, she's very well known within the Hollywood community. But she actually also has four directing credits. And this is a, a, a relatively new direction for... Uh, for Denise Novi, she started directing in 2017. Uh, she's directed episodes of Bones, Sneaky Pete on Amazon, mm-hmm. and also a movie that looks actually really terrible called Unforgettable. <laughs> it, it, it stars Rosario Dawson and Katherine Heigl. Yikes. It's like, it does not look good. Uh, but anyways, this is a pretty unique situation. I agree. A, a very unique situation. And the DP was Alistair Walker. Now, Mary. Yes. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I think your kilt rating is probably a three and a half. Oh, it's so low. Probably the lowest ever. Joke. Joke, guys. <laughs> five kilts. Give them all the five kilts. Right. How about you, Blake? I'm giving this one a four eight. Which pretty much is a five. Uh, essentially. Yeah. Uh, this episode, I think, was great for one specific reason. The fact that you were singing Savages in your mind from Pocahontas? No, that was not me. <laughs> that was... No! You get the nerd okay. cred for that one. The, emo- uh, the the great reason, I think, is because of the emotionality behind our characters' departures and their arrivals. Like when they wanted pie? Like when they wanted no, pie. I'm kidding. Um, but I'll be serious. But, I got my serious face on. No, like. it's okay. It's okay. We got to have fun. We got to have fun. This isn't the listener feedback episode, okay? that That's agenda free. This one is a little, a little bit more focused. Um, but there are some, there's some logic questions I have. Uh, about this episode that I that I want to I want to get into with you, but uh, what do you? What's your GBG? Okay, my GBG is my good is the whole montage of Claire tending to the land. Gems of Autumn has a very special place in my heart mm-hmm. because I love the simplicity of the hard times that people had to go through when they had to, you know, live off the land and everything. So I just loved it, man. You just want to give Claire a high five because that knitting she's done is pretty dang good. Good job, Claire. But just tending to the animals, all of it. Love it. My bad. Oh, 
was seeing the scalp. Oh, yeah. I wanted to cry. I wanted to vomit. Uh, it is hard to rewatch. I mean, they did a great job of sandwiching the sadness and the hardship in the middle of happy things. Um, in, in this episode, you're like, yeah, I love this episode. Oh, my God, I forgot. I forgot. This is really hard to watch. And then it's really hard. I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. But needless to say, I want to cry and vomit at the same time. It just makes me so, so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the great was obviously Murtaugh and his return. Plus, a little shout out to the tear in Jamie's eye when they're oh, chatting. Like, the light just the caught it so perfectly. Tear. It's Yeah, it doesn't come down, but it's just perfectly formed. So, I mean, everything about Murtaugh. Um, I love, love. Okay, how about you? What was your GBG? All right, so the good for me, uh, there's this great scene of Frau, uh, Frau Mueller uh, as she's walking out of her cabin uh. as it's on fire. Uh, and then because of, you know, all the arrows from the Cherokee and everything. But for some reason, that shot, the, the whole sequence, really, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's really stuck with me. Just seeing the arrows be uh, lit up and then flying in the night sky, the music and then hit, and the, the arrows hitting the house and, 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 and from Mueller walking out of the house. It just it just felt like a horror movie almost. Yes, I agree. Um and 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 then the and then you know Gerhard Mueller running down and then and then he's oh my god looking at his wife she's all burned up and then he gets hit with the he gets hit with the with the arrows and then boom, boom all the music stops and it's just him and he falls and he dies uh, and you see the Cherokee like own it and say yeah yeah that this is what you get this mm-hmm. is what you get and uh I thought that was a very intriguing sequence. One of the most intriguing sequences for the whole for the whole episode. I agree. I agree. Visually, as sad as it was, it was. V- yeah, beautiful. visually, emotionally. Yeah. Um, I do just have an issue. How did the doll catch on fire? Yeah. Okay, that part could have been caught, kept out. Like, I was fine with the doll being in the foreground and seeing the burning house, but then being shot back to the doll and the doll was suddenly on fire. Yeah, like, yet it's so far away from the house. That was like one of those moments where like you got the good scene. It's it's like a painter. Okay, you got the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Leave it alone. Just don't touch don't it. Don't do that last stroke. Just, just okay? They, they, I feel like they, they couldn't help themselves. You had the perfect shot with the doll yep. and the house burning in it flames. It was great. And you went one too many strokes. You're like, what if? What if we burn the doll? <laughs> even though it's nowhere near the house. Let's it would do have that. been even better had the bur- the doll not burned. Like yep. it I don't know. It just it is what it is. Yep. That that it is what it's not this is not a bad. This is a good, okay? We're not here to write a better show. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're not here to write a better show. Uh the bad is a tie for me. Uh the random horny silversmith's wife, WTF. Is this a hussy po- 2.0? <laughs> this is a hussy 2.0. Yes. I, I'm not, a, I'm I'm out on the hussy 2.0. Oh yeah, she needs to go away. Um, oh, but but my my actual bad is ki- killing off Adawihi. Um, you know, I get why it happened. You said that in an interesting way. Isn't, there, isn't that how you say it? Adawihi? I thought it was more of like a ah, Adawahi. Adawahi? Adawihi? I, I don't know. But they changed her name from the name in the book, too. Okay, so we'll call her Cherokee Grandma, okay? No, the healer. Well, whatever it is, I I, I, I understand why they killed her off. Um, I get it, because I felt that death, even though we've only had like less than 10 minutes of interaction between Gosh, both. She's just such a good actress. You're like, I just love you. I know. I love you. And it perfectly, for me, highlighted all the craziness of uh, of Mueller and how it played, you know, in direct contrast from what 
the pastor was saying about him. Like he's gone crazy. Uh, like I, I, I feel like this was a, a <laughs> in quotes good death. Uh, but I wish we could have had what some. What do you mean a good death? Like like a like it served you mean it had the story. Impact. Yeah, yes, it served it was the story. Impactful. Okay. Yeah. But I wish we could have had some more time with she and Claire, which I mean I suppose is a testament to how good the writing is when mm-hmm. you can be that upset and shocked from a character death that you you barely you even had knew. like three minutes with exactly yeah it reminded yes. me of um, Elias Pound a little bit yeah I mean, we had more time with him but when you saw that scalp you were like oh I mean it 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 did its job and I think that that's the power of not only the acting but like you said the writing right. and the visualization you, and the depth that they were able to have in this conversation between she and Claire just like Elias you know what I mean it's even though it's short it was impactful right and I think you got from that relationship what you needed to feel that impact could mm-hmm. you have could you have gotten more from from both of them yeah probably you, you probably could have and there's probably a little bit more detail there but yeah, i think when you boil it down you got what you needed yes to feel the impact uh and my great is also a tie uh the scene at with brie at the end and oh. that simple camera trick of spinning around the rock go to scotland oh i know i I, I really do want to go and but again that that simple camera trick uh with the light and how it goes around the rock and it comes back out and you see the light again um and it's it's just something as simple as having sophie skeleton go up to the rock (laughs) you know have her step to the side the camera wraps around and there's nothing there but it's it, it continues this tradition that Outlander has of having somebody go in the past in an extremely interesting way. And the last time we saw someone go in the past is when Claire uh, gets into the cab. She sees the puddle. She steps into the puddle, mm-hmm. and it's it's the puddle from the 1700s, yes. right? I I just I love that. But the real great for me was again the emotionality of of having Murtaugh back. It's exactly mm-hmm. what this show needs uh, on a character level, on a narrative level, on a relationship level. But it, not only that, it's the emotional conflict that we That's now it. have of having Murta and Jamie on what you could consider opposing sides. So Murta, of course, in the books does not come back, guys. He's, he dies at Culloden. So for us to now have him here and now be a regulator, it's huge conflict like I'm loving this I'm sad because part of me just wants to say Murta no 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 just move on in there's plenty of room in that cabin that got completely furnished and done in two months or whatever (laughs) you know Jamie will build you a new house in a day Um, but on the flip side as you said there's now beautiful to watch conflict between Godfather and Godson and real conflict Mm -hmm. to a real emotional that Conflict that's tied into the narrative. And Murta doesn't even know the future of the states yet. Right. He has no idea what, what's going to happen. So, like, there's there's this real pull. And it's a real choice. Mm-hmm. It's a real choice that Murta has to make. It's Listen, it's not coincidence that this played out so well. Mm-hmm. It's a real choice. You have two real options. Go with Jamie and live with your godson and be happy or stay with the regulators mm-hmm. and fight for your rights. And it's like, either way, something you know that sucks is going to happen. And either way, something that's really good is going to happen. That's when you have, and you can tie it into the narrative. That's when the writing is spec 
spectacular. And it's the absolute right choice. You can tell that they were planning it all the way back in season three because they knew they were going to get season four. And they said, we can make this choice. Yes. It sucks to not have Myrta in season three, but it's going to pay off very well in season four. Gosh. And it was it was the right so choice. So good. I, I honestly haven't been able to stop smiling except when it's the sad part. Right. So I, I like the reunion of it all. Agreed. But I like the problem that it proposes for both Myrta and Jamie. And while I do think it's a little convenient that Myrta just happens to be in South Carolina in this... North Carolina. Uh, oh, sorry, like- North Carolina in, in this little village that Jamie is going to and it just happens to be the blacksmith and it just happens to be that the horse bit breaks and they need a blacksmith. Uh, I get all that and it's a, it's a coincidence. It's, it's convenient. But I've also accepted the fact that coincidences like this happen within the framework of Outlander's universe. Mm -hmm. It just happens. Right. Because the story needs it. And somebody tried once to argue with me that this is like, it's like the work of the gods Mm -hmm. that these things collide Mm -hmm. and they break apart and then they collide again. Uh, That it surrounds the Frasers. I don't know if I buy that. You don't have to buy that. Everyone's entitled to their own... Perception right, but of Outlander. I, but I, but I accept the fact that it happens within the framework of Outlander's universe, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it going forward. You know what I'm okay with? What that I wasn't okay with at first was the fact that Murtaugh could still remember the tune to the Boogie <laughs> <laughs> Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Yeah, but then I was like, <laughs> then again, he and Claire did that performance so many times right. that he probably is like, I don't know what's worse, having this dang song stuck in my head or having to be. <laughs> an indentured slave and he that was such a cute little throwback did anyone else enjoy that the little whistling yeah as much as i hated the search it was bittersweet to hear it that was like now i'm gonna go back and when i rewatch the search i'm gonna be like oh oh (laughs) so so myrta is back yeah what how, how let's just get it out of the way how, Silver Fox. how are we feel oh my god so excited i love the hug between he and jamie oh. i was ready for jamie to faint like he did when claire showed up <laughs> but he didn't i loved his little sass between ian um and then gosh the hug between he and claire i mean all of it all of it i right. i loved when he told jamie i want to hear every word they know there's so much to tell you. Oh, I know. Oh. And, and that's why we played it at the beginning of this episode. It's it's unavoidable. You, you you have to play it. You have to. Otherwise, you're you're doing this whole this whole episode an injustice. Yes. But I'd say one of my favorite parts of the whole episode is actually a, a, a kind of uh, nondescript thing, and I want to get your opinion on it, uh, my darling. Which is this: when we are introduced to Myrta for the first time mm-hmm. as viewers we see this super long shot of his back and you just see him silver haired and you know, we're looking at it from Ian's perspective and finally he gets revealed that it's Murtai and he turns around and we see it. We know, we already know as viewers who he is, which I, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Even hearing his voice, you kind of understood who it was. If you're a super outlander nerd, which, let's which, be real, you if guys you're listening are to this, listening you're a this super like outlander nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so you may not be a Pocahontas nerd, no. but you're an outlander nerd. So that being said, I found it interesting that interesting, eh? That Jamie got the same treatment 
uh, we essentially saw Jamie's perspective just before Jamie did, right? Correct. He walked in, saw his back, and said, hey, what are you doing? And, like He's charging uh, this kid 21 chilies. What are you talking about? Uh, and Murtaugh had his back to him. I, I found that interesting, and I, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Do you think that was something that they did purposely? You, of course they did it purposefully. Yeah, like meaning like, you know, we... <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, like, like, did they did they have a real intent to like, we we had this perspective and they filmed it, so knowing that we had that perspective that Jamie has mm-hmm. when he is currently saying, "Hey, what are you doing?" I just I, I just find no, but that I to liked be it because we actually got to see when Jamie was yelling at him. You actually saw it from you saw Murta's face, right? And so you got to see him as he had like that moment of like, "Wait a second, I know that voice. Hold on, I know that voice, but it's been twenty years. Oh my god, I know that voice. Right. It's Jamie." So you got right. to see all of that emotion, and then when he turned around, the mirrored emotion <laughs> in a different oh. form, and Jamie's face was that is just his mouth dropping like see him humans like minuscule um acting that he yep. does in his face where he tells his muscles like okay top muscle of my lip <laughs> and eyebrow go <laughs> you know he's he's really been blowing it out of the water i give him a lot of credit he's really grown yes he's, if you like you look back to his like season 1 days oh yeah you're like oh ever since season 3 I mean, yes. really, he's he's a phenomenal actor no matter what. But you can tell that he's really just perfected this craft, um, knowing that the camera is so focused on his face. We're obviously all looking at his face because well, he's Bonnie. Yeah, how could you not be? <laughs> but still, he's been uh, it. the The face acting has just gone up in such a level. Right, I totally agree. And there was there was actually another thing that I wanted to point out too. And, and I remember when we were watching this, you kind of laughed at it uh, because. It, it was like kind of weird. There was a point where there was a side shot between Jamie and Myrta and mm-hmm. they're they're in the pub and in the pub and, and Jamie tells Ian to, to you know take a hike and there's this side shot of of <laughs> Myrta yep. and Jamie says, oh I, Claire came back to me and Myrta like the side shot happens and Myrta like, leans in and like puts his hand on the table and down like you have got to be kidding right? me that is amazing but it just shows him like it just shows his reaction then all mm-hmm. of a sudden jamie's face enters the picture they both lean into each other and they're talking about claire and their their, their yes. relationship is is has finally reconnected there's this whole moment of like they're both in the in the picture at the same time yep right okay so it was an interesting shot and i remember thinking wow that's how they shot it like that's awkward how they did it. Like it was just Murta, and then all of a sudden he put his hand down, and like, and then Jamie just comes into uh, the picture. I thought it was a weird shot. I right? liked it. Well, I you know upon further review, I kind of like it too, <laughs> and I'll tell Good. you why. Because there's a companion shot later on, mm-hmm. after the meeting. You know when Murtaugh gives this whole spiel about the regulators and we're going to stand together and everything, and everybody signs their names to the piece of paper saying that they're going to join the movement or or stand together, whatever it is. Jamie comes up at the end of the line along with Ian tagged along, and Murtaugh says, "Listen, why don't you join me? Like, mm-hmm. let's do this together. We'll work together." And Jamie gives this thing about like listen I, I can't I can't in good conscience do that and it gets back to that same side oh, shot right that's okay that's the part that I've like kind of zoned out a little bit I know I because know because I don't love the conflict well the, it gets even further oh, right dear. so the same side shot is there but instead of 
they've switched positions, okay? Yeah. So Jamie is on the left, and now Myrta's on the right. It's a mirrored shot. Yeah. Here's a, is another interesting thing that happens. When... Again with the interesting, Blake. When Jamie says, no, listen, I, I can't do it, and he says, oh, well, you know, you've, you, and Myrta says something along the lines of, like, yeah, you got your family, and you got this to worry about, and then he says, you've also got your land, and then he, as he's saying, uh, as he finishes the word land, he pulls out of the shot. He pulls away from Jamie. Oh. And Jamie is the only one that's left within the frame. So we have this mirroring moment of when they're, they're on one side, Jamie comes into the frame mm-hmm. for that one shot earlier in the, in the episode. And then later on in the episode, when, when their relationship seems to take a turn, Murtaugh leaves the frame and it's just an interesting shot right so I so I kind of I'm kind of in on that uh, in on that whole sequence I just loved the hand motions because you know you're so excited and you that was I feel like Murtaugh's version of get out (laughs) (laughs) stop it Claire's here too oh my goodness gracious so I wanted to go over to I think like what the deal is like so Murtaugh is he claims that he's not a leader of the regulator movement. Uh, he says that they don't have any leaders, but it seems like he is, if he's not a leader, he's at least an organizer. No joke. I'm going to need a history episode on the regulators. We, because... we are actually working on it Good. Um, as as we speak, as a matter of fact, because I'm working on it. I don't know. It's not doing it for me right now, guys. Can I be real with you? There was enough tension between the Native Americans and the the settlers. And then now I'm just sad that Murta's on like this team that I'm cool <laughs> with because I'm like, I got you. Let's kick these British out. Yeah. You know, but on the flip side, now you're against Jamie, which is really awkward. So I've kind of like distancing myself from this area of the plot, which I know is silly because I know it's going to play a big part. Yeah. But I need a history lesson. And- I would say that the boiled down version, like the extremely boiled down version of this, yes. is that there were these guys who owned these lands yep. and they were pissed off at Governor Tryon because of the taxes that he was collecting from okay. them. But Governor Tryon was also doing it in a way that was kind of deceitful. He was purposely undermining these people and he was purposely taking extra money away and giving it to all of his buddies shame and they just couldn't they couldn't take it anymore and that's how the regulators began gotcha so basically Murtaugh is like robin hood <laughs> uh well he's not stealing he's just saying i'm not gonna pay an, an exorbitant amount of taxes which is why you're finding that even though jamie is saying, hey, you can have 100 acres of land, and I'm not even going to charge you rent for it. But when I won't charge you rent until it becomes fruitful. Mm-hmm. And these guys here are afraid because, listen, we, we've done all this. We, we've, we've gone through this before. We yeah. busted our balls left and right to, to, make a, to make a good product, to make a good, good farm, only to be taxed beyond like even comprehension. And we lost everything. So it doesn't matter if you're giving us the the land for free until it becomes fruitful. Governor Tryon's gonna he's gonna he's gonna take the vig and yep. he's gonna he's gonna take the money and we're not gonna bust our balls. We'll just we'll we'll find uh, you know jobs elsewhere. 
and it'll be fine. Yep. And we know what to expect. Right. So not Robin Hood. There goes my theory. <laughs> not Robin Hood. <laughs> okay. He's not stealing and giving it to the poor. That's what I was hoping. I mean, heck, he wasn't in the books at this point, so why not make it dicey, you know? Dicey? I don't know. Like Murtaugh, like swinging in, <laughs> wearing a hood, <laughs> taking a bow and arrow from the Cherokee and stealing from rich governor. As sexy as that may be, I don't think that that would be the case. <laughs> I don't think that would oh, be the wow. case. You know what was actually kind of sexy, even coming from a man here? Jamie talking about Bree and his dream. I wanted your opinion on this. Mm. Um, so is this like in, in the book, is this something that, you know, they're they're taking from the original yes. text? Yes. Because I got it's beautiful. I gotta tell you, it was it was kind of special and <laughs> Yeah. It just it's another way that Outlander's getting weird with it. <laughs> Remember how I said like Outlander yes, in, is in a, a show way that you can handle. Yes, like it, I, I love when it gets weird. When it gets weird with stuff. Yes, because it separates in like first itself. First season magic weird. Yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah. Like that, that that you know, and not like you know, you know. You're a wizard, Harry. Not hey. that, not that kind of weird. Like not that magical. Kind of magic. But you know, just just kind of weird, weird stuff. I just I kind of like that the Me mystical too. kind of thing and. Um, you know, it, it, it shows uh, a kind of connection that Jamie has with his daughter, one that is like beyond space and time. It's something that uh, he, he has with her. But I also think it's kind of um, indicative of Brianna actually coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his Jamie's subconscious is aware of it. Um I, I don't know. I just I like that whole sequence. You know, just even Claire's face when he she he's talking about it and he, her saying, I, "I haven't thought about that in so long." Oh, how hard was that to hear and to see Claire, like loving on it, but also like, my goodness, mm-hmm. I miss my daughter. Right, right. Excellent stuff. Uh, what do you think of uh, Claire operating in the past without Jamie? There's just the montage of the whole. Of the whole thing where she's feeding the animals. Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. I mean, please. It's what I said was my good. Oh, that's right. I absolutely love Little House on the Prairie, Claire. I mean, just so good. You got tired watching her do the monotonous Mm. monotonous activities of the day. I, I, gosh, I I loved it. You know, it's (laughs) delivering babies and then trudging through on the horse. And and then uh, then, playing diplomat, by the way. between Between... uh, P.S. The Mullers and, and the Cherokee. Can someone please let me know, how do they get newborn babies on sets? Like, where do they get these babies from? Oh, I can tell you. Where? It's called Rent-A-Baby. Just, you just go right up there. Hey, I need, so I need, a, I need a six-week-old. That baby was a was a was a youngin. That you was know, a youngin. sometimes when they show newborns, you're like, that baby can talk. Did you just say nerdborns? Newborns. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when there's newborns, those the babies that they show, you're like, first off, that baby weighs more than like. I don't know, Blake, you know, like what's going on? <laughs> the, the baby's going to college. But this baby in this episode looked like a real youngin. Yes. And I just don't know, like, do they say, oh, my aunt, my aunt has a niece who has this or that. And she has a baby. She'll totally do it. Like, do you pay? Do oh, yes, babies I go and sag? You have to pay. Like, do they go and sag? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, how do you get newborns? I don't. And who are these parents?
parents that are like, oh, it's the middle of flu season. You could totally handle my baby. Just touch it. It's fine. Just have all these people like cry over it and speak in German. <laughs> Go for it. While we're talking about the measles, totes. And I'll tell you that shot of Claire as she's riding back. There's a there's a huge, like there's this big wide shot of Claire on her way home on her white horse in the woods with Rollo, Rollo. with Rollo running it. after her after her and it's like this this one big wide shot where Claire is just this minuscule thing amongst all of these mm-hmm. woods and it just shows you how how alone she is and how, how grand this new world really right, is right right I, I loved that shot uh, Denise Novi did a lot of cool shots uh, in this episode uh, but there was one shot of her that was, you know, it was like, you know, the God cam looking straight down. Uh, she uh, actually before that, she enters her. The, she enters the cabin and she like shuts the door and you can just see how tired Claire is. Like I don't know what the heck they did to Cat's face, but just how tired Claire was. And she just rests her head up oh. against the back of the door. And then she she just collapses we diagonally on the bed. Yes, we laughed. <laughs> You know, with all of her clothes, like you know, you've had that that kind of day where you're like, "Dude, f this!" Like, fr- frack everything. I am tired. I'm going straight to bed. <laughs> oh. Something that needs to be mentioned that hasn't mm. been mentioned yet. What's that? Jamie's glasses. Oh um, yes. Just just a little bit to remind us. Jamie has aged. His eyesight is poor. Mm-hmm. It's just when he's in town, he's just wearing those little spectacles for just a hot second. And that's it. But I loved how it's just these little reminders of, remember, this is the future. This is older Jamie. Right. He still has these pieces to tie in. Loved that. Well, there's. I, I do want to get into that. But uh, but but before we 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 get into those details, the the small details that I find are very important that Outlander did in this episode. We just want to thank our sponsor real quick. Thank you, of course, to Castle Massey for sponsoring this episode. Guys, in addition to their heritage, centuries, and living floral collections, Castle Massey offers a line of truly unique niche fragrances. This line celebrates the true art of perfumery. That's a word, guys. Perfumery. <laughs> Each piece telling the story of their creation and then performing it for you in the first moment that you smell it. It all started with number six. Here comes the general! <laughs> which we all know and love, but their history of pursuing fine fragrance it doesn't stop there. It just begins. You see, in 1914, you guys ready? Put on those history hats. Castle Massey made a custom fragrance for silent film star Ala Nazimova that today they call Marim. With dark floral notes with a hint of citrus, this fragrance was made to match her energy perfectly. That is, the energy of a beautiful, young Hollywood star, adventurous, strong, and seductive. The LX48 is a cologne fragrance for men that tells a story of Castle Massey's historical retail shop in New York City on 48th and Lexington Avenue Avenue in the 20th century. With hints of tobacco and leather, it boasts the sophistication of a mid-century New Yorker while remaining entirely modern. In recent years, of course, Castle Massey has been collaborating with the botanist at the New York Botanical Garden. They're actually creating a line of living florals using the nature-inspired technology we told you about last week. Of those fragrances, two are niche. Both are rose fragrances, one masculine and one feminine. So the men's 
Ros, R-O-S, is a dark, spicy rose scent derived from a sceptered rose within the garden. And the woman's <laughs> Beatrix is a more subtle, traditional rose scent named for Beatrix Farrand, the landscape architect of the Rose Garden at the New York Botanical Garden. So to experience a true art of perfumery, and for 20% <laughs> off your order, visit castlemassey.com. Enter that code Outlandercast at checkout. Don't forget, follow them on social media, guys. Castle Massey for more of their rich history and details about these products and promotions. Perfumery. <laughs> so, I... Niche little things that we want to pick apart because this episode was so good. Oh, I know. Hold okay. On. Here he comes. Here comes the general. Ladies what? and gentlemen. Here comes the general. The moment you've been waiting for. Here comes the general. The pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general. To Washington. <laughs> There you go, guys. All of you Hamilton fans, or those of you who just want to know who else wore number six from Castle Massey. That's right, George Washington. Anyway, George Washington did. I, I I vowed that I was going to get it in there. I'm going. I'm going to get it in there. Okay, niche little things that we just want to pick apart because this episode was so yummy with well, them. I don't want to pick them apart necessarily. Not pick apart I... in a bad way. Like pick apart because we just want to savor every. You know what it's like. What? Uh, it's like if you're a lover of Reese's peanut butter cups, which I am. Yes. And you actually just nibble around the edges because you want to savor that peanut butter cup for <laughs> as dang long as you possibly can. You don't want to just bite it in two bites. So you just nibble that surrogated edge, and then you start to nibble your way in. That's what we're doing, guys. We are nibbling on some bits that we loved. So there are a. I, I, Outlander is 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 very adept at getting little details right. I love how and, fancy you are. Outlander is very adept, and I'm like, it's like eating a peanut butter cup. <laughs> Classy broad. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's it's also mind boggling in so many different ways. Like if you recall uh, a couple of years ago when they messed up the 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 head like the uh, the not the subtitles but like the time and the date. For, uh, in season mm-hmm. two, we were like, they messed the whole thing up, and they're like, yeah, we screwed it up. I, it just it it boggled my mind. But the details that I wanted to call out in this episode are small things where 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 they really excel, which is like Jamie with his glasses, yes. like you said, right? Yes. Um. Or or Jamie losing his hat and the pig eating out of his hat. I, it's just that's a, f- a fun little detail mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally think of. Like he's he's Sassenach, Where's my hat? And she goes, "Well, where was the last? Where was it last when you last saw it?" He goes, "Yeah, if I knew that, I'd be wearing it, wouldn't I?" <laughs> right? Great little details. Or Jamie putting on Claire's wrap after she puts on uh, on the fur. Yes. And he just says, "Oh, here you go," and he just puts it on her. Or uh, even Jamie saying uh, to Murtaugh about Brianna, "She lives in the year nineteen hundred and seventy-one." Like you forget that. He's still in the 1700s, yes. and like his daughter is living 200 some yes. odd years in the future, crazy. right? Crazy! It's crazy. And he looks at it like it's this fantastical thing, which it is, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. So he says it with this moment of like belief, yet serious disbelief, like it's science fiction. She lives in 1971. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but here, here's the issue that I also find with 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 Outlander too it makes these huge leaps and there's no real like context to it so all Jamie was just laying down the first boards of his house and and the it next took a whole episode just to do that right and then the next <laughs> the, the next episode the next episode the thing is built it's furnished 
it's it's got everything and the, and the other thing that i noticed too the wood was like aged they it was aged stain blade it was stained, they went to whatever. benjamin moore okay <laughs> i know what claire did she was like honey <laughs> I know what to do. I've seen this on the telly. <laughs> we, <laughs> I saw Fixer Upper, okay? <laughs> Trust me. I know what I know what to do. <laughs> Can they please come redo our house? Because we've now been here for two years, and our house doesn't look that good. We still don't even have pictures <laughs> hanging up, except for the ones in the studio. Nonetheless, silver candlesticks perfectly placed above the mantle. Like, our mantle's a hot mess. Right. Yeah, it's it's a disaster. That, seriously, how did they get the house together so nicely? It, 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 and like, I, one of the things that I noticed too was like the mantle. Like they had this built-out, complete fireplace, and the woodworking on the mantle is—it's—it's it's, that's not that—that uh, that is not simple woodworking. So, in addition to knitting, all the boys at Lalebrach obviously learn how to build houses <laughs> and do extensive all, woodworking. They're work. all master carpenters. <laughs> So you know Claire didn't learn that. Come on, she can barely knit anything. Never mind going out and building. Well, Claire can do a lot of things. Sure, sure. I just I totally don't agree. necessarily think she spent her time I, reading Fixer Up. I, I, I don't think she's. Uh, you know, she's. She's not wa- HGTV. She's material. not watching this old house. Okay. <laughs> oh, that show is so good too. Um, I, I just, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's a huge leap, and like other things too, like cramming the. They're cramming a lot in in a very short amount of time um, to 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 get through what they need to get can through. I, can I just stay in the house for just one moment? Sure, yeah. Guys, did Claire forget that in the 1800s they didn't need street lights because every nighttime scene they showed of the cabin, there's this random bucket of fire outside. <laughs> Go back and watch it. So it's like, you, it's nighttime. You see that there's lights on the house. And then Claire, for some reason, decides to leave a bucket of fire outside, yep. like a street lamp. Like, trick-or-treaters are coming, and you need to keep your lights on. Why would you keep a bucket of fire on outside your house? Hey, some people got to see stuff, man. That's how it goes. No, seriously, someone needs to let me know because that <laughs> it happened both times. It was nighttime shots. But not only not like not only that, they have they got pigs, they got they got chickens. Oh yeah, they, they need got, to stay fed. They got horses. They got they got I get all this stuff. It's just wow, man. It's just a lot. It's I, I, I would love to know the amount of time that transpired from the end of the last episode to the beginning of this episode like it, you can you can pretty much infer that it, but it did say that it was in 1768 and we've been in in North Carolina in 1768 this entire season well, and also they were showing such late autumnal photos uh, not photos but like um landscapes yeah. in the previous episode right. where it looked like okay it's october like the leaves are changing, right? You know, this is what's happening. And so. they they did show bits of snow as well. Like at, when at the end of the episode, Jamie walks up and there's snow on the ground. Uh, after you know, after he's like, "Hey, I'm home." He's like, "Oh, what the hell is wrong? What happened?" Um, we just need to, you know, what this is like one of those things that you just say. You just got to let it go. It's part of the Outlander magic. Yep. They they're extra amazing house builders and decorators. Yes. They somehow know how to like jo- Joanna Gaines. <laughs> she, Claire Claire Fraser was the Joanna Gaines before Joanna Gaines. You know what? Let's be real. Auntie Jo Costa actually probably sent her team of interior decorators up oh, yeah. and said, 
pimp it. <laughs> I'll take care of this, honey. <laughs> this just, is your housewarming You just gift. build your fireplace. Good job building the the, <laughs> the frame. Yeah. We'll take it from here. <laughs> um, another thing that I noticed, too, and we were actually laughing about it upon our second rewatch, uh, was Ian. Oh, my God. And you know what I'm going to say, right? Yep. You know what I'm going to say, which is every time that Ian enters the picture, he comes in, he says a few lines, and they go, all right, Ian, see you later. <laughs> like, they literally will say that to him. They'll be like, all right, go on your way. And Claire, like, pushes him out the door. Literally. Literally. At the beginning <laughs> of the episode, literally pushed him out the door. Every single scene. You watch. Go back and watch. Every single scene that Ian is in. Yep. He gets pushed out of... Nah, well, no. the first one, he gets pushed out, literally. Yeah. But he leaves every scene. He just has to go. It's so just, even like helping Jamie with the horse. Oh, the bit's broken. Well, why don't you go fix uh, it? Go fix it, kid. Bye, Ian. <laughs> so each time Ian leaves, guys, in your rewatches, whether it's last episode, this episode, you know how that whole phrase, like, bye, Felicia? Yeah. I want you just to, inside your mind, say, bye, Ian. Bye, Ian. <laughs> like, Ian, go get us a beer. Bye, Ian. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's true. It is. It is. It's, it's totally true. Um, but and as as funny as a presence as that is within the show, I think a remarkable presence within the show as well is how they've handled Brianna and how they rooted uh, the emotionality. I, I, I think the, the main common denominator throughout all of this that you found in this episode is actually Brianna. It begins with Roger mm-hmm. and it begins with um, him trying to find her. And then it continues on with Jamie talking about Brianna uh, with Claire. She's still a presence in their yep, lives. Yep. And l- later on with, with Murtaugh, he's talking about Brianna again, saying that there are women, that the women in, in the future have m- much more things available to them. Uh, and and Murtaugh is very happy for, mm-hmm. for, for, for Jamie. At, at, at Awihi, at, at talking about Brianna saying she's here, oh, right? The whole moment. thing. And then and then having the bookending moment of Brianna and that amazing camera trick of just beautiful. starting in one end, circling around and having Brianna out. This, they, they made it, I think, very purposely um, about Brianna for this episode. Mm-hmm. And there's this underlying tension about Brianna and I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think that they're doing from from your from your experience with the book, do you think that they're doing Brianna and this whole process justice? Yes. I do you think so? Yeah, I think they're doing a great job. I am loving Brianna. I'm I'm getting excited. I'm excited to see her journey. Um and I agree with you. This episode she was mentioned, she was sprinkled in throughout the entire time, you know, do you have any children? Um, yes. Do you have any grandchildren? No. Well, you can have my grandchild. And it like hits hits Claire again. She's like, oh, man, I like miss my child and I'm not going to be a part of her life. And this all stinks. And oh, my goodness gracious. And Jamie with with the dream and yep. talking to Murta. I mean, it's just like all of this stuff with Brianna and family was hitting home, just reminding you that she's not there. Right. Oh, right. I totally agree. I'm so excited. So I, I love what they're doing. They, they're making this a very spe- specific point. Uh, about about having a natural inclusion of Brianna, so that when she does show up, it's not just all of a sudden. I hope you know, she runs into the pie slut. <laughs> the pie slut. I hope she does. All right, uh, my darling, do you want to get into the Outlander cast staff thought of the week? Yes, I do. All right, let's get it done. This one is brought to you uh, all the way from 
Anne, Anne Gavin. She is doing this Outlander cast staff thought of the week. And take it away. Hello, everyone. So much to love about this episode. But let's get to the elephant. I mean, godfather in the room. Murtaugh Fitzgibbons Frazier. Ah, I was ready to write this man's obituary for the Outlander cast blog a half a dozen times between the finale of season two and the beginning of season three. But oh, how happy I am not to have to bid farewell to this amazing character and equally amazing actor. And while it was good to see him looking so well, man, Murtaugh, you are hot. Age definitely becomes you. Another object of the Outlander lust affection for the more mature old coot ladies in the fandom, including this one. And what a wonderful reunion between Murtaugh and Jamie. That hearty laugh and hug. Can I have a Murtaugh bear hug too? Adding to bucket list. And bravo to Sam Hewen for all the emotions conveyed in the look, drop of the mouth, and the eyes. And the Claire reunion, all the tears. I have to say, adding the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy tune back to the story as a nod to everyone's most hated episode, The Search, except mine, made me feel vindicated somehow for loving that episode as much as I do. I do worry about the storyline created for Murtaugh's return. As a regulator, things could become quite dicey between he and Jamie. Bravo to the producers for introducing this conflict to the story, but holy taxes, this could get messy. A couple of other quick thoughts. Well done on the homestead, Jamie. I'm not much of a camper, and I really like my five-star hotels, but even I might be convinced to rent this Airbnb for a weekend in the mountains. Loved Claire's interaction with Atawahi at the beginning of the episode. Anyone else catch the rabbit imagery once again as it relates to Brianna being here, as Atawahi pointed out to Claire? Love that. Claire's daily chores, love. I'm an animal lover myself and always appreciated how Diana's novels incorporated so many animal characters. Seeing Claire interact with the Fraser's Ridge menagerie warmed my heart and also increased my admiration for Claire's ability to adapt to any situation, all while looking stylish and beautiful at the same time. P.S. I want that coat and fur vest. And finally, a nod to Jamie's second sight. This was referenced a number of times in the novels, but lovely to see Jamie speak of his vision of Brianna. Again with the eyes, Hewan. So much emotion. Nice job, Outlander special effects staff, on the Mueller house fire and brutal ending for Mrs. Mueller and husband. Hard to watch, but I think that was the point. Savages indeed, but who was worse, Mueller or the Cherokee? Nobody wins here, but it seems to me Mueller got as good as he gave. And can't opine about this episode without mentioning my darling Roger. Oh, Richard Rankin, how I love you. You have mastered the woebegone, painful looks, and facial expressions to a T. So much sadness. I just want to hug that wooly, tweety, tightly layered sweet man and tell him it's all going to be all right. Eventually. I could almost hear his heart breaking in a million pieces reading that letter from Brianna. I so adore this couple and Roger's character in particular. I look forward to more Roger Bree moments and for this relationship to grow. But Rick Rankin is absolutely killing it in the role. A better Roger could not be found. I always like to reserve half a kilt point or so, especially this early in the season. But seriously, I can't help but give this episode's five kilts. Book changes be damned. Bringing back our Silver Fox Murtaugh was the best decision, Ronald Moore. I can't wait to see where his story goes and how he interacts going forward with the Fraser crew on the ridge. Yep, this episode will make it into the double digits of rewatches. Mark me. All right, Anne, thank, thank you so you, much. Anne. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anne, who, of course, wrote such an amazing piece about Marta. That's right. Who's like, 
huge Duncan fan. So uh, of course this is a <laughs> this is right. was an extraordinary episode. And also, if you want to go and check out Anne's. Uh, happenings in scotland she also has written the scotland diaries on outlandercast.com go check them out you can read all about her her travelings and everything that she did over there if, if you if it's it's scotland porn that's what it is that's what it comes down to it's scotland <laughs> porn you want to see all the pictures you want to read all about it she lived it all and it's it's if you haven't gone to Out, uh, outlander if you haven't gone to scotland yet and you just want to have an experience of what it could be like mm-hmm. check out the scotland diaries on outlandercast.com okay. But now, my darling, it is for, it, it's time for the outlandish theory of the week. I mean, it's it's what we're all here for, right? I mean, no. this, it's the reason why we, people listen to this, this podcast. This is the part that I just like look at a wall <laughs> and pretend I don't hear you. And you say, interesting. <laughs> all right, you ready for this one? Yes. Well, first, we want to let you know that this outlandish theory of the week is brought to you by Minute with Mary. Minute with Mary is a great place, guys, because you know what it is? A Minute with me. hi <laughs> Just search the hashtag Minute with Mary. You've heard this probably a bajillion times, guys, and you're like, okay, Mary, I got it. If you haven't yet requested to join my marvelous VIP group on Facebook, just search the hashtag. Come on in. I'm a real life person. I'm <laughs> chilling with you. Let's do this. All right. So... My outlandish theory is this. I have an outlandish theory, and I kind of have a developing take. All right, you ready for this? All right. Sure. Adawihi seemed to know... I say Adawahi. Ado, I think it's Adawihi. You probably uh, or are Ad- right. Or Adawihi. I think, well, what does, Whatever what it is, we've butchered it. I'm and sorry. The poor thing, we've screwed it up. And she's not even here anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she seemed to know what was up. She she had visions. She saw death. She knew that Brianna was coming back in time. Yes, when in quotes, when when Claire says she is here, it means that yes, that she is in Claire's heart, Brianna. But I also think that Adawihi knew that Brie was literally coming back in time. Remember, just because we're watching the two timelines, the 1971 and 1768, that doesn't mean they're happening at the exact same time, right? Just because Claire is talking to Adawihi at this one moment, that doesn't mean that the exact same at the exact same moment, Brianna is on her way to Scotland or she's on her way to wherever. Brianna could have already come back to Scotland. Just because we're seeing it in parallel doesn't mean they're actually literally parallel do you know what i mean my darling jelly bean i do okay good they don't necessarily have to be parallel when it comes to storytelling of course that may have been the template so far for outlander but right now i think that this is it's always subject it's to blurred. change it's blurred having said that Adawihi also gives claire the herbs to help uh the 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 pregnant lady the pregnant german lady and she says you know it's for her and then she mentions stuff about Brie. And she, as soon as she said, Claire says she is here. Adawihi gives her more of the herbs. And I don't think that's by coincidence. Because she has this acknowledgement, this smile, after saying she is here. She hands over these things. She hands over the herbs. She gives it to Claire. And there's this smile. And I think that Brie is either already pregnant or... She is going to be pregnant by season's end. It's an acknowledgement from Adawihi who knew, who knows what's up. She knows. She's she's got stuff. She's getting weird with it, right? We Outland is getting weird with it. Adawihi is getting weird with it too. 
<laughs> also, remember this. R- Roger, in my opinion, is definitely following her back in time, following uh, Brianna back in time. And you don't know if they've already met up. You don't know any of this stuff because I don't think that the storylines are necessarily time for time parallel. But I think Adoe, he saw this and she knows that Brie is going to be pregnant very soon. And am I going to get an interesting for this? Well, my favorite part is that you said this during like during the episode. You're like, oh, my God, Brie's pregnant. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, um, <laughs> do you remember? I know. <laughs> two I'm episodes just episodes ago. It still it still when applies. They didn't have sex, but it still applies. You know, it is Christmas season. So how about this, Blake? Outlander gets weird with it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Blake during the Christmas season, another virgin. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> give birth. Outlander gets weird with it. Adawihi's getting weird with it. So should Brianna. I'm just telling you, either she is pregnant. Or she's gonna be pregnant by season's end because she hands her those herbs. I'm with surprised this. you're not gonna talk about your. Um... Well, I, oh, I, there it, it is. This is my developing take. I know for a fact Roger goes back in time. You want to know why I know? I know why you know because you made me pause the the opening the sequence. Opening sequence of the show. The opening sequence of the show. There is this uh, shot of a man writing in a book. In underneath the book is a picture of Brianna. It's the same picture that Roger has in this episode that he's showing to uh, Miss Baird. Okay, Miss Miss, yes. not, not Mrs. Miss. Yeah. Okay. There's different different Miss Baird. He's showing that picture. It's the same exact photo. Go back and look at it. It's in the opening shot. It's in the opening sequence of the show, and it's the same one that Roger got when they were at uh, they were at Grandfather Mountain at the games. Okay. Well, this shot is a man with the book, writing in it, having this photo, the the drawing, in his hand. And in the background, it's people in the mud, walking around in 1700s clothing. Bree does not have this photo. Roger does. And that, that photo just didn't show up out of nowhere. It just didn't, you know energize Star Trek style uh, into, uh, we didn't go back to the future here, okay? That's Roger. And that's a huge effing spoiler. It's a massive spoiler. For people you- who watch the show like you do, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, but I'm just saying. It's I a, know. It, it, they, I actually didn't pick that out too much. I was just kind of like, meh, meh, meh. I'm just, I'm surprised that they... I love the opening so much with the music that I'm like less paying attention to actually what's physically on the screen and just so excited about the music. But you're right. When you're right, you're right. And Unless I, I, and I'm right. No, Roger I'm right. goes to like no a, a, like a Ren fair where people don't just dress in Ren stuff; they dress in all sorts of stuff. Listen, he's not going to King Richard's fair, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he this is this is going to be a real thing, and he's definitely going back. And they gave it away in the opening sequence, and I I'm legitimately again they they pay such great attention to details and so many things, and then these other little details are either slipped away or they just. They're, they're big leaps, and I'm surprised by that. But you know, well, you want to know who would agree with me? Yes. Charlie would agree with me. Mark me. Please hang up and try again. I have a thing that book readers will want to listen to after this episode. I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. So if you don't <laughs> want to be spoiled a bit, you just 
after the music ends, after we say farewell, you turn it off, non-book readers. But book readers, stay on, because Blake and I have to talk to you for a second. Uh, okay. All right. I'm allowed to be part of this conversation? Yeah, because, yes. Okay. It had to do with coming up next week. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. yes. Right. Oh. Right. Y- oh. So if you watched it and you're a non-book reader, you can stay, all right? If you are a non-book reader and you don't watch that coming up next week on Outlander, I, I, the, there's just one thing I have to say to the showrunners for this, for this over. Bring it, bring it. Shame. Seriously, guys. Wow, you know what they deserve. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. No, we'll talk about it post shame. post music. Let's first talk about the giveaways. Let's talk about the good, merry, wonderful things before we shame. All right, so whoever made that trailer. Oh man, not great, Bob. <laughs> not great, Bob. That's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, the giveaways that we have for this week, we have already given away last week's giveaways. This one for this week, we have two, once again, from Woo-hoo! Caswell Massey. The first one is the Niche Discovery Sampler uh, containing all of the previous mm-hmm. um, uh, fragrances that we mentioned. From the perfumery. From the perfumery. Uh, this can be found at outlandercastclan.com. It is a value of $90. The second giveaway can be found at outlandercastclangiveaway.com and it is a choice of a 15 milliliter niche fragrance, which is one, one of them, uh, the Marum, the LX48, the Beatrix, or the ROS, and it is a $35 value. Just so you know, it does not include the number six. Here he comes. Here comes the general. Ladies and gentlemen. Here comes the general. The moment you've been waiting for. Here comes the general. The pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general. It's Washington. So it does not include the general for that one. Okay. <laughs> Number six, a.k.a. Born by George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that is that. Again, the first giveaway uh, goes to OutlanderCastClan.com. The second giveaway goes to OutlanderCastClanGiveaway.com. My darling, are you ready to uh, close out this truly fully detailed, perfectly realized podcast episode? Sure. Let's do it. <gasps> yes! For all I you, asked for this. For all you Merton nerds. He had a bookie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie boogie oh, beautiful Thank you, of course, to those of you who've taken the time to leave us a written review in your podcast app of choice. This helps people who love Outlander, who don't know about this podcast, learn about Outlander Cast. So if you could take a moment to do that, that would be amazing. Huge shout out to Maribel3059, who says, these are my people. I should have written long, long ago. Did I read Maribel's last week? <laughs> That's oh, Maribel. Couldn't, nope. You Trish couldn't P- pronounce TBH. Yeah, I was like, hold on, Maribel. I meant Trish P. Chicago, who says the Outlander is, clan is back. I love listening to Mary and Blake's podcast. They are fun. Bring interesting perspectives. So fun to savor the episode. Uh, so, you know what? Thank you, Trish. And thanks again, Maribel. TBH, I got you. I got you now. All right, and then we want to give a huge shout out, of course, to all of the Outlander cast staff who make amazing things happen. 
whether it's blog posts, helping out with our social media, our newsletter, gearing up for some really fun stuff coming up in the finale time frame. And we also want to thank all of our patrons. You guys make this possible. You keep Outlander Cast rolling. You make sure that we can have the, the podcast, the website. Huge thanks, of course, to our highest level patrons, the associate producers of Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Diane, Heather, Jennifer, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia and Summer, as well as our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Keelan, Kirsty, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Sue, Tara, Tina, and Tracy, and last but certainly not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Martha, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you guys all so much for just being the rock stars that you are. And I would be remiss... I would be remiss if I didn't say go to maryandblake.com and check out all of our podcasts that are there, including our currently ongoing podcast about This Is Us called This Is Us 2. Yes, a shameful plug, but I'm quite proud of it. Quite. Quite proud of it. For now, I'm Mary. (laughs) My name's Tuba. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. Okay, you've been warned. You've been warned if you are a non-book reader. Okay. And if you didn't watch the after the show where it's a little preview for next week, you might want to turn this off, sweetheart. I'm just, I'm just, yep. There, yep. Three, two, one. Where's that shame, Blake? Where's oh. that shame? Are you all here? You, you guys are here, right? Shame. Okay. Let me just talk about this. As a book reader who loves the fact that my husband has not read the books... I mean, we knew that David Barry was coming back, Lord John Gray. We knew it because he's been making the circuits, okay? But geez, freaking Louise to drop the willy bomb. Golly. And to just drop that he's back. I mean, we just had the Murtaugh. It's like we were so excited about all this. And then to just be like, coming up next week, here's some more people you love to see again. (laughs) It's a big old reunion on Outlander. How How are you? Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great. (laughs) Who made this choice? How do you feel about it? We, we need to be careful so we don't ruin things for the rest of the Outlander cast clan. But, um, you know, we're just going to put up a, a little thing saying how you feel about this. Seriously, that was not, I mean, just, just not good. Not great, Bob. I mean, because you just sat there, Blake, and you went, what? 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 This guy shows up with Willie and they're having these conversations? Seriously, dude, I was, I was, I was legitimately floored. I, how could, how could... You didn't get to savor that moment in the episode. And it came so quickly. It didn't even have like a big warning because it's a freaking trailer for next week. It wasn't even like, so you get the spoiler warning before you have to hear about Carrot, the dang dog. Okay, you get a (laughs) spoiler warning for Carrot, but you don't get a spoiler warning for for Lord Lord John John Gray and Willie. Oh my God. Freaking Carrot spoiler. Come on. Seriously, like. (laughs) I can't. Again, it's just—it's just bad. It's just not great, Bob. <sighs> and I—it made me so upset because Blake, you were like, "What? What? I'm learning this in a trailer." And and you guys know we we last season actually stopped having you watch the trailers right. because it really gave too much away. Right. It came so quick that you couldn't—you couldn't even like stop it. Like you, 
I don't know. And the I, previous ones haven't been bad. They no, haven't given anything away. They've been quite nice. It's like they're still building their house. Right. They're uh oh, we might have turmoil with the governor. Like, like you could you could avoid giving away the, giving away the Murta thing, right? Like and, and Murta Murta was a huge part of this episode. They gave they didn't give this away last week. They right. weren't like Murta's back. <laughs> you know? They weren't dumb like The Walking Dead where they were like, It's Rick Grimes last episode. But not really. It, here here they are giving away this major thing. Like if if you're just a show watcher like me, you don't necessarily know that Lord John comes back into the picture. You don't know. Agreed. And all of a sudden they're just dropping this bomb on you? And Willie, like it's one thing to have Lord John Gray. I mean, I still am not okay with either of them being in this trailer, but it would have been one thing to like just show his face, but to also show Willie? Yeah. And then to be like, oh, Lord John Gray gets the measles. Jamie and Willie go on a little father-son bonding trip that's not father-son bonding and, trip. And he's like, oh, they, they looks like just like you. That's your son, isn't it? Are like, you kidding me? Come on, man. Not great, Bob. Why are we going to have to watch next week? <laughs> Thanks for the cliff notes in the trailer. Oh, man. I was uh, That was upsetting. That so, was upsetting. thanks guys for letting us vent. Obviously, you know our feelings on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, my love, we should just close it out. Again, just go ahead and say it. I'm Mary. I'm not great, Bob. <laughs> You've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>